Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. Hey everyone, James Azar here with CyberHub Engage. I'm so excited for this episode. I've got David Levin, CSO at RICO, like R-I-C-O-H, not RICO, what we charge mobsters at the Department of Justice. (laughs) Very very, very different things. Very different. Because if you were like the CSO at RICO, I'd be like, he needs a bulletproof vest, there's bodyguards behind us, and there's a bunch of Italians out in the (laughs) hall going, where is he? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. David, you're you're a unicorn. I'll tell you why. You've been in the same company for 27 years. Yep. And I don't know if you saw something that came out a few weeks ago. The average lifespan of a CISO is 26 months. So you've actually turned the months into years. <laughs> so how on earth did you get started at Rico? And then you're in the same place for 27 years. Like in today's day of age, that's unheard of. In the 60s, yeah. okay. 50s, okay. 20s, okay. 30s, okay. It's 2020, buddy. Yeah, I know. How'd you crazy. do that? How'd you do that? Yeah, great question, right? So, so it's funny. I get kind of. It's always interesting when you tell people that because same reaction, right? What? Right. How is that possible? Like so, a couple different factors in there, right? I mean, one is, and and, and I'll cover, but a couple of acquisitions and shifted gears a couple of times along the way. So it's really yes, it's been it'll be twenty seven years this year, but it's really kind of felt like you know at least three different companies and, and, and some doing some interesting things. But I, my story is actually a sort of the quintessential bottom-up story. I had switched careers, um, actually used to be a professional photographer way back in the day, but decided to switch paths, went back to school, got a degree in management information systems uh, with minors in computer science and uh, business management. And so after graduating, I I had a friend who was working at a systems integrator in Tampa, Florida, and uh, got on with that company and kind of took a foot in the door kind of job, hoping it would lead somewhere. Um, And and it certainly has because it's still I'm still here. Uh, (laughs) But that first that first job was as a bench tech uh, fixing printers. In fact, I'll never forget it. Day one, they put a dot matrix printer in front of me on a bench and said, fix it. <laughs> and I went, what have I done? <laughs> or what am I doing? Like, um, so really kind of rolled through uh, that and then got into computer repair, then got into field computer repair, moved into networking, ended up managing the networking group uh, with that integrator. And then we were acquired by a company uh, called Icon Office Solutions. And at that time, Icon was really an operating company and they were, uh, I'm sorry, a holding company, switching over to an operating company. And so they pulled a team of people because they bought up a bunch of integrators. Right. They pulled a team of people together to um, really build the network, build the wide area network, build the messaging infrastructure, remote access, all these different things. So I got on that team. And at the culmination of that project, rolled into a position at the Network Operations Center uh, in Atlanta. And from that point forward, I was doing a variety of things. I did some vendor management. I was doing some project management. I was doing some engineering as well. And um, was doing that for quite a while as that organization matured. And then uh, was given an opportunity to move into a Six Sigma program that Icon was starting at the time, which... I will tell you, bar none, has probably been one of the best career things I did. It was 
it was really a phenomenal opportunity to step outside of IT and work on projects that were really embedded in the business. And I will tell you, I still uh, gain benefits from those connections uh, that I made back then. And that understanding I gained by digging in really deep into areas that I never would have touched in IT. I was actually getting ready to leave Icon at that time um, and was going to take a, black, a master black belt position uh, with a well-known Atlanta beverage company. and, um, and uh, yeah, The kind that don't serve at this hotel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Um, and at that point, I was offered an opportunity to come back into IT and run all of infrastructure and user services. So that seemed like the right thing to do. Right. <laughs> so given the choice. So, um, and I did that for a, a number of years. And security was a blended function inside that organization. So... As time marched on, I found AI liked the security piece of it, and it was taking up more and more of my time. I was spending a lot of time working with the business and sales on contracts, uh, you know, MSAs, SOWs, RFPs, working, um, doing some sales calls to help the sales teams on security-related items, um, you know, working early on a little bit in the third-party space, and, and it was taking more and more of my time. So I kind of hit a point of inflection, and, and I said, wow, this is it's kind of tough to juggle both of these things. Uh, so I made a bid to, to pull security out and stand it up as its own department uh, within, uh, within the company. Uh, and luckily, uh, they agreed. Uh, I figured that conversation was going to go one of two ways. Right. Hey, Levine, that's a great idea, or mm, I'll be searching for new opportunities. So... Uh, Worked out well, um, and really for about the past eight years, that's what I've been doing. Uh, focused on security, and, and still today, I would say, still building out the security organization. Uh, along the way through all of that, uh, Icon was acquired by Rico. Uh, so here we are, third company, um, and uh, still going. So building a program never really ends for a CSO or a CISO, right? Like when a CISO ever says, hey, I'm done building my program, you're like, you're about to get fired. (laughs) because <laughs> you're never really done yeah no it, it it never ends and so so one of the interesting challenges today is you know as we continue continue to drive security awareness continue to drive uh, the need for security across the organization uh, the good news is we're make we continue to make headway and traction in that regard the bad news is that means there's more and more business uh, coming into or I shouldn't say business more and more requirements coming into our team and so it's an interesting struggle to on one hand be going oh this is great you know they're bringing us into all these conversations and at the same time going oh my gosh look at all this you know, crazy volume of work that we're trying to uh, trying to get on top of and, and do the right thing for the business. You know, uh, as a CISO, the challenge of securing an organization is always about can you keep pace with business? Do you understand business? Mm. Right? I mean... Challenge. A challenge, but yeah. you've been in the same company for 27 years. You've been a... You've been... You've defied all odds. An average CISO's last 26 months. I'm going to repeat that constantly... <laughs> Because if you think of the short lifespan of a CISO, you're not really able to get much done in 26 months. Yeah. I don't even – so I always wonder that, to be honest with you. So th- there's no doubt. I mean, I, I think I could say, you know, there's a lot of benefits to being in, in RICO for as long as I have, right? So I know tons of people. I You, know, you have relationships. Relationships. Right, you know which, how the business works. So there's – all of that's a huge value add, right? Um I don't understand and I don't know how companies, unless you have somebody who's fundamentally not a good fit, I don't know how you can turn a CISO around in 24 months. To me, it would take me that long. Just to understand. Right, right. I, by about that time frame, I would, I would think I would be starting to hit my stride and go, okay, I've, I've made relationships, I've met people, I've had enough time to observe the business, you've gone through a cycle or two. So you see how the business ebbs and flows, and you really start to get all of that in hand, and bam, you're out onto the next thing. So well, bam, you're out. You're on the employment line for six months. Well, that right, right, yeah. And and then you get another gig somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes it's not as a CISO necessarily, and and I think that's it's to me that's fascinating. I think CISOs when they come from a background like yours, though, right? And I've spoken to a lot of CISOs and CSOs. 
If you come from a business background, you tend to be a bit more savvy in security. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I think it's a different, so I haven't looked at it quite that way, and, I, and that's an interesting way to view it. I do think there's definitely a difference, though, beyond a doubt, because, right. you know, you've got all varieties of CISOs. You've got the guys that are bits and bytes guys that, and sure, back in the day I was a little more technical than I am now. Not now. I'm the first one to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm too far removed. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do packet analysis. Um, but having the business background and being in IT and all these different areas, I think definitely gives, at least in my case, I'll speak from my own uh, point of view, a well-rounded view of everything, right? So I understand how a lot of different things work. And so, and I would also say the fact that I've spent a lot of time with our sales teams is really been tremendously useful and, and helping them land deals where there are security questions and having conversations with our customers, that's invaluable. See, so when you and I were kind of talking before this podcast, you started telling me you were doing something about 20 years ago with the sales teams on security. Yeah. And I kind of said you were the first BSO, <laughs> which is now a hot word in security. Sure. Business information security officer. Hence, business information security officer yeah yeah so really interesting so i i'll tell you <coughs> honestly i could probably do nothing but that today i could cleave off everything else i have on my plate and just do that and that would be a full-time job um because it, it's with security being what it is in 2020 not that it wasn't this way last year but being what it is these days Everything we touch as a company, almost everything we do, whether it's a customer, whether it's a partner, vendor, you name it, it's got a security component. And, and hence my comment earlier that, that, you know, as security awareness and the need continues to grow and the light bulbs go off and people go, oh my gosh, we, we do have to talk to security and we do need to bring them in. And that volume of work is, is crazy. So yeah, I mean, I, you could definitely... I could definitely spend all my time just doing that if and that it's becoming were an integral part of every organization, right? It's 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 part of the supply chain now. Yeah. You want to go hire uh, your marketing wants to bring in two three companies that are going to API into your your network. You're like um security and they've got to have a BSO or a CISO that can answer that. Yeah. And vice versa, same thing for you. You're you're about to go give someone service, they want to know Wait a minute, what's your security like? Absolutely. And so it kind of builds that. So you hold the title of CSO, Chief Security Officer. Yeah. So you're not just information security, you're all security. <laughs> yeah, so we made a change about a year ago. So a couple of different tracks we could talk about here. So one is a, a year ago, I went from CISO to CSO. And also along with that, I moved from IT to, uh, to legal. So I report into general counsel, as does my entire team. But when I made that move, I also took on physical security and trade compliance. And that was adding to my current suite of responsibilities, which included uh, security strategy, operational security, e-discovery and litigation support, access management, some of our compliance functions. Now, when it comes to compliance in RICO, we've got a bunch of different departments that have their, their hands in that, that pie. So we have a piece of it. Um, I lead RICO's global security team, which is a federated dotted line team. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting a group, <laughs> but I think, but you, anyway, so. You might yeah. be. Um, yeah, so. It's a challenge. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. How does physical, how does, so not a lot of CISOs have oversee physical security, but right. physical security plays an integral part of cybersecurity as it well. Does. So, so how has that helped you really bolster your security program? Yes. If any. No, it, well, I, I think that book isn't entirely written yet. And what I mean okay. by that is there was a clear notion of why we did that, right? So it turns out that every time something happened that required um, a higher level of involvement across the company, there were generally three people that consistently got involved. It was myself, our privacy officer, and our head of physical security because all of us played a part in almost 
Everything. every situation of whatever happened. And we were constantly always working together. And so when we were looking at and contemplating this move from IT to, to legal, that was definitely a piece of it. And we said, well, look, two pieces of that triad already sits in legal. Why not move the third, my piece, over to that same, same group? Uh, so that was part of it. But also when I started, we started thinking about it and the gentleman that had been over physical security, we had started this dialogue. We have a new gentleman that started about the same time we made all these changes and, and he feels the same way. And we started looking and I said, well, you know what? An alert's an alert. You know, particularly when you talk about behavior analytics, right? So a door badge alert is no different than a login alert. So you can start applying the same kind of analysis that you would. So I can't badge in in Atlanta and Paris within an hour any more than I can log in from Atlanta, Atlanta and, and Paris, Paris in an hour. hour. Same thing, right? But, but traditionally, we're not combining that data. Or, or better yet, what if I badge in in Atlanta and log in from Paris? Same, again, same kind of data. So we really have an idea to try and bring these worlds together a little closer and really try and start to leverage some of that same technology and alerting and bring it together. Now, I'm the first one to tell you, we haven't done it yet. Um, we've talked about it. We've done a few things, but we haven't really tied it together. But that's yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're, you're essentially talking about bringing a sock and a knock and putting them all in one and creating some sort of fusion center that monitors both the sure. physical aspect yeah. of it and the cyber aspect, the IT aspect of it. I won't say cyber because it's really more of an IT aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Sorry. It's, um, it's, 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 it's for me, the, the, the interesting kind of piece of looking at physical security and cyber is when you take a look at how important physical security really is to cyber from, like you said, from a badging perspective, from if your teams are separated and your knock sees, hey, this guy's in Paris, and your socks going, oh, he's logging in from Atlanta, and those two data points never come together. You'll have no idea. It's a 9-11. Yeah. FBI knew something. CIA knew something. NSA <laughs> knew something. But no one brought those dots together to be like, it's happening now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just that opportunity to, to get better fidelity, better information. I mean, it, it leverage the data you already have, right? I mean, I guess if we pulled it all back, and just you could take it down to that. We have this pool of data over here that tells us one thing. We've got this pool of data over here that tells us another thing. They're related. Um, and, and the other piece of it, too, is, you know, particularly if you wrap in e-discovery and litigation support and stuff, you know, there's almost nothing that happens on either side of the fence that, that we aren't going to the other group and saying, hey, I need help with an investigation from an interview aspect, or, hey, help me out with the legal implications of this, or they're coming the other way, and, you know, and going, hey, can you give me the logs for this user and let me know what they were doing on next day. So, so those worlds are constantly circling each other. They are. They are. It's, it's interesting. So kind of speaking of that, let's kind of transition to third parties. <laughs> yeah, third parties. So I got to we'll go. No, yeah, uh, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> you look at last year's kind of, if you, if you take a, took a big pie chart last year and you looked at all the major cybersecurity incidents and data mm -hmm. breaches, you can attribute a lot of it to third parties, right? That yeah. was the attack somewhere started somewhere, but it's typically with a third party that led to something. Yeah. How do you start evaluating those risks and how do you create a business environment as a CSO that really ensures business success with third parties? Because today business can't survive on its own. We're outsourcing and sassing and assing everything. And I mean ass because there's everything <laughs> yeah. as a service today. Yeah, no, you, wow. That's a huge subject area and a, and a great one. And, and one I have a lot of, pa we'll call it passion about at times. That, that, right? that is your passion so, for it. I mean, so yeah. it, it's, it's and, and I mean that because there's so much dysfunction in that regard. But we can, but there's a, a bunch of different ways to look at it, right? There's sort of the, the holistic you know, how do we ensure security? And, and I think this is where we, we're all challenged with that. And, and I'm the first to tell you, there's always a lot more we could be doing, right? Um, but, you know, we, we do our best to try and evaluate a third party or a situation to 
in my mind, it's not about asking them 9,000 questions, right? And there's too much of that that goes on. But it is about, do I believe that you understand security? Do I believe that you're doing the right kinds of things to protect our data and protect yourself from a breach, right? Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Do I necessarily have to be sure that, you know, all answers to this 900,000 question questionnaire are 100% accurate. And I think that's where we have a lot of dysfunction out there today. And, you know, we're guilty of it too, but we rely so much on groups sending out questionnaires of third parties. And, and you literally, you, you know this as well as I do, you get these ridiculous <laughs> well, questionnaires. 17 that, pages, right. 27 pages. How often are they actually relevant to what's in scope for what you're doing. They're not. Right. And they ask you for information that may or may not be relevant. Um, they, they ask you for information that may or may not be relevant. Right. They um, oftentimes just completely and absolutely, um, um, sorry, distractions. Distractions. <laughs> um, they, they kind of start to, um, uh, they don't give you a full picture. They don't help you understand really what kind of risks you're looking at. And it doesn't go into far enough detail. Do you use a firewall? Yes. Whose? What? How's it configured? What endpoint? endpoint I mean. Well, catch 22, right? So if you go too far. So I'm going to argue it the other way too, right? That's fine. I I want us to. If you you go too far down that path, I'm going to say, I'm not giving you that level of detail, right? Because at some point I'm going to say, well, it's a little. So so, so let's backtrack that to the the aspect that you were talking about, which was risk management, right? Sure. So how much data is this vendor really getting from me? What kind of data? And what kind of data? Right. Now, if he's getting, if, if it's the company that's cleaning your office and all they're getting is access management and that's it, how, what are you really going to look at? Hey, mobile devices, right? Probably. That's right. your BYOD policy. Sure. But if you're a, uh, a marketing company that's bringing you PII information or their data analytics firm, you know, Cambridge Analytica as an oh, example. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much right? higher risk. There's a much higher risk to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, how, how do you start evaluating that? Yeah. Well, I think, I think in a way you, you, you have the answer. And that's, you know, I know when we go out, we, we, when we send out the questionnaire, we, we explicitly ask what data is involved for that very reason. Because there are absolutely times when I'll get answers back in our questionnaire and I'll go, eh, not great, not horrible, not great. What data is involved? And I look at the data and I go, okay, that's not really data I'm overly concerned about. I may, underline may, be willing to accept a higher level of risk in that scenario. Now, to your point, on the other hand, if I get that same questionnaire back and the data involved is what I would deem to be critical, you know, red type data, then I am going to go back to that provider and go, okay, we need to talk about this and how can we remediate, if possible, some of these items or or we or we go in a different direction. Right. I mean, it, it, it kind of goes... When you look at these questionnaires, do you almost wish we could not automate it, but have some sort of automated kind of way to evaluate that risk? Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking about this. And, and so here's the thing. That, that what, what we know for sure is, and what I think we would definitely agree on, is we have to have a way to gauge the maturity and what somebody is doing from a security perspective. Right. So we, we all know that. But the question is, how do we do that in a way that isn't ridiculously disruptive, that is meaningful and accurate, and that is focused on what really matters? Because I think I probably spend as much time in an endless Groundhog Day loop discussing applicability. Like, I'll get all these questionnaires, but l- for example, Rico does a lot of things where we're on site at the customer. So in that scenario, whether we're running your mail, let's say we're running your mail room. Right. We're almost 100% dealing with the customer's security policies. Sure, we've got to do the background checks and the security training, and there are things that are applicable. But at the end of the day, 99% of what matters is what the customer is doing because we're on site at the customer. Right. But I can't tell you how many times I'll get that same 900 question questionnaire and they'll insist that we fill it out. And so you end up going not applicable, not applicable, not applicable. And then you end up going round and round with their procurement teams discussing why we're saying not applicable. And what I always find interesting in that maneuver is in almost every case, if I can get to my peer, we'll solve it like that. 
Right. As soon as we have that discussion, it's easy to solve. Yeah, because the other <laughs> the other person's living the same thing I am, and they're right. going, "Yeah, totally get it. Yeah, don't don't do that. Here, here's what I really need to know." And then and we cut to the chase. But the problem is we've laced, we've wasted a lot of time and energy cycles just to get to that point. So I agree. I mean, if we could get to some kind of a standard that really took into account risk, took into account applicability, and allowed us to really focus on things that mattered, I think. Regardless of what that exactly looks like, I think that's the direction it needs that, to be. That's, um, that's kind of like the evolution of the BSO role, right, is, is to kind of deal with these kind of situations. If they had a BSO and you have a BSO, both BSOs get together, then there's probably a better conversation to be had than yeah. um, procurement guys talking to sales guy or customer talking to Oh, I'll, I'll make it one level worse because we've had this a bunch of times too. So sometimes, <laughs> and my take on this is the customer, get, the company in question, not, it may not be a customer, could be a third party. They've probably gotten so frustrated, they just outsource it all. Oh my gosh, now you've added another layer of discrepancy. Dis, uh, sorry. Yeah, you've now a lot of added a whole other layer of. Uh, dis- of disruption? Thank you, disruption. Yeah. I can't speak today. Well, we've got think. a lot of disruption around I us. I know, right, exactly. <laughs> You got a whole other layer in between you and the customer. And so now, if the conversations with the procurement team wasn't nutty enough, now you're dealing with somebody who's being paid to make sure every single answer, every question is answered. And that's even more problematic when there are issues. Because now you're kind of, you have to work your way through them back to procurement and then finally to IT. If and they're trying possible. to justify the money they're oh, getting absolutely. paid. Oh, absolutely. Right? Without a doubt. They're going to make doubt. your life miserable. <laughs> Yeah. to justify to their customer why they're being paid to do what they're doing. I have absolutely seen it. Every time I've seen that, I'm like, oh, great. I see a different company. Yeah, we have this company do our third-party uh, vendor uh, due diligence. They're like, oh, namaste. Usa. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and there's education that has to happen inside the company too, right? So I spend also a lot of time educating our sales folks because a lot of times – and this is classic. We'll get that security questionnaire at Friday at 4 p.m., and they want it by Monday, and they haven't provided any information on what's in scope. <laughs> like, what, what do I do with this thing, right? So you're going back, and, and you know, again, it's Groundhog Day. Hey, what, what, what products, what services, on-site, off-site, any hosted solutions? The other thing, too, how many times do you see questionnaires that are yes or no? That's your only option. Well, we're selling you four different solutions. One's on-site, one's off-site, one's hosted. Guess what? The answer's different for each Which one. one yeah. But I'm supposed to say yes or no. I, th- I feel like that's the challenge with third-party risk questionnaires. It's either yes, no, or not applicable. Yep. And I'm, I'm, you know, one of the things that RSA last week, as I was walking around to see the next shiny box that everyone was pitching... <laughs> Between shiny boxes, I found something very interesting. No one was addressing the third-party aspect. Yeah, you know, well, I didn't go to RSA this year, so I didn't get a chance to you take a You didn't miss look. anything. Okay, that's good. So it's funny. I did a couple, well, two, three well, years ago maybe. I won't say you didn't miss anything. Because it was smaller this year. Yep. And the people who showed up really wanted to be there. Oh, interesting. Yep. You had better conversations. Oh, Okay. That is interesting. So I will say that. Okay, that's, that's but good. from a vendor perspective, I think it was still 90% vendor just yeah, it's a, shiny RS, box yeah, and it, 10% of people who got it right. Yeah, RSA is insane. I mean, the show floor is just insanity. Yeah. But, you know, I think it was three years ago now, I did a roundtable at RSA, led a roundtable on third-party risk. And we talked about all the same kinds of things we're talking about today. We're still talking about them today. Where you and I are sitting here talking about the well, exact conversation. Well, I because had. the challenge you have is, yeah. how do you automate that, right? So does right. everyone plug? The, so do you go to cybersecurity vendors and you go, hey, I want you to plug in all your customers into this one tool that people are going to pay money for to be able to go in and calculate the risk that specific companies have, and then how do you evaluate risk, right? Because you said it at the very beginning, scope matters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So. It, there, there's no one universal way of managing risk. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist. It's it's a tough nut to crack. Uh, you know, th- there, there's no doubt. I mean, all all of these things, and and then you add 
another layer in there of, of immaturity in some cases. I am shocked in 2020 today that I still get questionnaires where we're dealing with a third party that's a, a small company. Usually it's a smaller company, but a small third party, and they've put whatever their solution is in AWS or Azure or any of the big, the big players, and that is their security answer. We're on AWS. Right. They're secure. And they'll yeah. say, AWS. so I start, what happens is you start looking at the questionnaire and you go, that's odd. That looks like every answer from AWS. And so you go back to them and say, hey, you know, this looks like exactly that. And they usually go, well, yeah, we're using AWS. They've got the whole alphabet soup of certification. So we're secure. Face palm, you know, no. Okay. Then you end up in a consulting mode and helping them out and going, okay, look, I, I understand I understand why you think that, but let's talk about that because you have to secure what you're putting in there. And oh, by the way, if you don't configure it right anyway, it's still not secure. And I'm just shocked at how much we still see that today. But I think that's partially a function of cloud today, right? And, and I, I've said this a few times recently, and, and the, the best thing about the cloud is it's really easy to get into and use. The worst thing about the cloud is it's, it's really, really easy, easy to get into and use, right? <laughs> so you get so much stuff, you know, going out there and being put up into the cloud and people using it. And they, I mean, I hate, well, we all know this. In too many cases, they just don't know what. So I got, I got to tell you, I went to sleep last night. The last thing I did before I went to bed <clears> is I logged in our AWS to see how many instances were put out that I didn't know about from our dev team. Yep, see. I woke up this morning. What I do? Log in AWS. Let's see how many instances <laughs> right. were up there. Right. And I'm like, okay, how many buildings did we build? Swipe and go. Yeah, well, they don't even swipe and go. Well, I mean, not in that case, yeah. You know, yeah. they're just putting up an instance. Just they're sticking data. Yeah. And then they're testing something. And then no one bothers to take the instance down. No one bothers to take it down. And you're in the military, <laughs> right? Like you serve in, in, in the Georgia State Guard, Correct. Correct. Yep. So think of it from an Intel perspective. I take a very, I take a, a UAV, an mm-hmm. unmanned vehicle mm-hmm. with all my Intel equipment, and it goes out somewhere. It doesn't have to be behind enemy lines. It's just out somewhere. Right. You're going to know where that asset is. No one bothers to bring it back. They go, <laughs> it made it out there. <laughs> right. It worked. Yeah. Okay. Did you bring it back? It's still out there. You're like, Bring it back, please. Do you For everything know it's that's gonna sacred, it's going to run out of gas. It's going to run out of juice. And someone's going to find it that shouldn't find it. Right. Now, you hope the person who finds it is a good guy. Yeah, but if not, they're going to get into it. Right. <laughs> you hope the first person who finds it's a good guy and not someone who's going to abuse it. Yeah. No, that's an interesting analogy, but you're absolutely right. Again, that's, that's, that's that whole cloud's really easy to use, right? And pl- plus you get the shadow IT explosion on top of that for, for that same <laughs> reason, right? Because how hard is it to go out and procure something on the web? It's not. You know, you think of the topic at RSA this year was the human element. <laughs> I did a roundtable and I spoke to Justin Berman, who's the CISO at Dropbox. Justin has a very interesting take on the human element. He goes, the next vendor that comes in here and tells me I need to train my people more on phishing stuff, I'm a smack in the face. He didn't say that. I'm, 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 I'm okay. hyper-quoting Justin. Justin is a very, very nice guy. I don't think he could smack anyone or anything in the face. <laughs> okay. But his, his whole point was we need to stop building we need to stop letting humans conform to technology and conform technology to humans. Ah, okay. Hmm. So he goes, I have a ransomware phishing problem. I need technology and I need to put together security that helps reduce that risk. I have a a BYOD issue with people kind of traveling and Mm -hmm. using different... I need to find a technology that solves that. I don't need for humans to not use technology when they're traveling because of security. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Actually, that's a so I wouldn't disagree with that, right? But but I but I at the same but it's, time, it's radical. It, it is. It's radical, and I like it, and, and I do like it, and I think that's a great way to look at it, right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, right? You know, security has always had the bad rap of we put the no in innovation, right? So we're we, for years now we've been trying to get away from that, right? So that means we need to be a business enabler, and that speaks to being a business enabler, right? But, that's why he's, that, that, that's why to me, my conversation with Justin was just so like, okay, this guy gets it. Yeah. This guy actually gets it because for years, people build these tools 
And then they come to you and I and they go, I want to sell you this tool. <laughs> yep, all the time. And you look at the tool and you go, what's it going to do for me? Yeah. And it's either another data set, another dashboard, or it's another way to try to train humans to act differently. And humans aren't going, people have been murdering people since people started. <laughs> when God created people, they were killing each other. When computers and email started coming, the Nigerian prince came. We laugh about it. Works till today. Oh, I know. 30 years saying. running. It's crazy. The Nigerian princes in Nigeria have a problem with cash. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, no, you're, you're right. And, but I think, I think we're still in a place today, though, right, that, that, we're, that technology isn't, again, I agree with where he's coming from 100% because I think it is the right way to look at it. But the reality today is the technology isn't always quite there and adapting to that. So at the same time, you know, I, I still see a need to, to educate users. And I, 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 I always agree. say humans are by far the hardest element of everything we do, bar none, because humans are completely unpredictable. I can take somebody that will not click on a phishing email 99% of the time. They're having a bad day. They're extra stressed. They're looking at something else. And you, and you risk them clicking on something they wouldn't, right? Or, or <clears throat> and we can come up with lots of scenarios. So I, I'm with you that we still need to train humans. Yep. I think awareness, though, is so much better now than it was two years oh, ago. Yeah. So much better. Thank you, Equifax. Really appreciate it, right? really appreciate it <laughs> grateful right but now you look at how that awareness applies to business and like in every new cycle it's good for 24 hours mm -hmm. and then it goes away oh yeah right it's good Keep the awareness it. training is great for two weeks a week a day and then it's gone and that's just standard human behavior mm -hmm. right so it's constantly training it's constantly talking about it and finding fun ways to do it Oh, absolutely. Got any fun ways? How do you, how do you, how do so you, so it's interesting. So how do you make awareness fun? Well, that's, that is tough, but I will say we did have a win in this area and I'm glad you brought that up. So we recently switched to a new, uh, training platform and these are based on cartoons more or less they're they're done by hollywood producers they're actually all based on real cyber events but they do them in like these five minute anime almost kind of style is it like anime simpsons or japanese anime the two very different things very different right huh so uh, well that's a great way so so the, the they have two versions actually <laughs> they have two versions so one is probably more japanese anime the other one's got a little more corporate look and feel but for the first time ever and and the nice thing about this is we're doing it we're doing it now quarterly instead of annual so we're, do, we're we are putting this out quarterly for the first time ever we've actually had users coming back to us saying they actually liked security training they actually paid attention. They watched all of them, and they want to share them with other people. Do you want to give this company a shout-out then? Sure. We're using Ningeo. And so okay. um, it's been uh, – Because I think people are going to hear this, and they're going to uh, yeah, they're they're gonna gonna message yeah, you yeah, and be yeah, like, hey, no, I'm not hiding who, who are these guys? Yeah, so it's Ningeo. And so we've had, we've had great traction. It's <clears> amazing. You know, you know how it is. Like you put out your annual security awareness training. It's 40 minutes to an hour. It's painful. It, yeah, nobody's really paying attention. People are actually watching these episodes and coming back and going, "Hey!" Or even if they thought something, you know, asking about. But that's something. a great. But that's a great thing. If if you think of like an animated sitcom or an animated show around cybersecurity that goes out weekly and it's five minutes long and it's a continuous story of yeah. something that goes on, it's great. People will engage with that if it's playing in your break room. Right, like every four hours on a five-minute yep. loop on, on, on a screen in the break room. It's wonderful. Speaking of that, that's the other thing. We took um, – they also have, like, screen grabs with, with summaries, and that's displayed in a lot of our offices, and it rotates on a screen. So not only are they getting the quarterly short ep you know, episodes, which are – they're all self-contained. Each episode self-contained. But they get those quarterly, but they're also getting those reminders that are just kind of there in their work environment. So That's awesome. Yeah, so that's been good. So let me ask you this. How do we patch better this year? Oh, my gosh. How do we patch better? Okay. Um, By the way, have you seen the Let's Encrypt thing? No. So Let's Encrypt HTTPS site encryption. Okay. Recalled 3.6 million certificates because oh. of a bug. Oh, oh, ouch. One okay. million still remain unpatched. 
Yeah, patching's tough, right? I mean, so this is one of the... And that's a simple patch. Yeah, (laughs) that should be really simple. But yeah, so... It's amazing, but but we and I, the collective we, I think, still struggle with the foundational basics of patching. I mean, particularly the bigger your environment gets, right? right. So, you know, we've got, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of endpoints, you know, tens of thousands of endpoints. And if I added up globally, it would be far more than that. When you start adding in remote workers and, and workers that aren't always using their devices and all the combinations and iterations you have in that, it gets really hard to get to that 100% patching, almost impossible. But yet, and again, here we go, you get to the compliance side and you get vendors and third parties going, hey, have you patched against this latest thing? And, and then they're constantly on you. In fact, I got an email an hour ago saying, hey, where are you guys at on this patching thing, right? And, and it's that last lagging tail that you're always chasing. So it's- I haven't... I haven't solved that yet. It, I, it's a tough I, one. I think it's a cost issue, mm-hmm. right? I think what's interesting is speaking with a lot of CISOs and people who listen to the show will will see that I've had her, I've heard different people say different things, right? I've heard people say I run a blue and a gray environment, and I'll patch one environment, make sure everything t- turn it on, take the other environment, patch it up, yeah, and sure constantly okay. rotate, yeah. constantly rotating. But that costs a lot of money because you're computing the same environment two times over. Yeah. So can you sell it? Right. That's the hard piece. Can you sell it? It's not ideal for everyone. It's ideal for a company that has a large IT budget. Sure. Right. But for a lot of organizations that IT is a business driver, but not a business enabler, Mm -hmm. it's hard to justify twice the computing costs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Without a doubt. Right. So that, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for people to hear this stuff and go, I have a way to do this. I have a way to do this for you at a little cost. And then they call me and go, I figured it out. I want to show you. And I'm like, great, let's do this meeting. I'll take this meeting tomorrow. Cancel everything on my schedule. Yeah, definitely. Right? But they don't exist. Like, it's, 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 it's people are coming up with, I like to call Band-Aid solutions to gunshot wounds. And patching is a gunshot wound. And every time a solution comes to it, it's a Band-Aid. And you're like, we need surgery here. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and you get all kinds of add-on issues, right? Sometimes the patches blow up. Now what? Now right. you got to roll back. Now look at the work effort involved in rolling back. I mean, and the that cost. Happens. And the cost, the time, the downtime, possibly, right? Yeah, I know. This is the, kind of like third-party risk management. This is an area that needs help. So kind of asking you this. Social yep. media has become a new threat landscape. How do you mm-hmm. deal with the cyber threats that come through social media against your employees? You don't have to tell me everything. Just kind of yeah, the general Yeah, no, concept. and I think I we're getting ready to do more, to be honest with you. But w- we have a lot of what I would say is probably some fairly standard stuff and monitoring in place and, and a group that, that does some monitoring for us, right? But, but you know, it, it's social media is one of those things, you know, internally where, you know, years ago there was a great debate. Do we block all social media? Do we allow all social media? And you end up allowing a lot of it to a certain extent. Because you can't extent. help it. It's part of business It's today. part of business, LinkedIn, right? part of Absolutely. business. Facebook, part of your marketing team. Twitter, right. part of your marketing team. Uh, Reddit, part of your marketing. Yeah. GitHub, part of your dev team. You so can't help it. So it's there. And it's, it's here there. to stay. Yeah. So, yeah. So we got we to gotta put more tools and threat intelligence in place to, to, to monitor that and stay on top of those alerts. So I have a famous question to ask every so so I speak with. Okay. We're heading out to the graveyard. I got a <laughs> six-foot grave for you, like a, a, a grave that's stuck six feet in the ground. You can put any buzzword you want in there, bury it, never to come back again. Which one would it be? Oh, my gosh. There are so many. You get well, to pick I'll, one. I'll pick one. Because we can't, we, can't do a, we can't do a mass grave. I mean, we're, you know, we're not war criminals here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one. Oh, gosh. Okay, so... One. Um, well, here's one, and, and I've been guilty of using it, right? And I cringe we when all I hear are. myself say, you know, Synergy's one. <laughs> That's a first. I don't think we've ever had Synergy before, right, Micah? Synergy, you're joining our graveyard. There we go. All right. Add in a new one. Add in a new one. We'll say Cuddish and... <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Perfect. Um, last, kind of seal us off. Okay. Um, what technology do you see changing cybersecurity in the future, making it better, for the better? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's one of those great questions, right? What, what, what's it going to be? Um, that's a tough one. I, I, 
<laughs> I do think possibly done right if we continue to if we continue to evolve AI in the, in the right ways and with the right constraints. Um, I think it, it does offer a lot of potential in the automation um, end of things, right? But it's not the be all and end all. I, I, I you know. We certainly don't want to end up in Skynet, right? But but, no, the, we don't. <laughs> but but at the same time, I think I think there's an opportunity there right now. You know that was certainly you know hot in the last couple of years, machine learning AI, and you had had to really dig in and question whether you know are they just saying that? Are they really doing it? How are they doing it? And it has its own risks for sure. Uh, but um, yeah, I do think there's potential there. I don't know if that's really the be all and end all, but I I do think there's potential there. I, I, I like one that you buried synergy. I like that you talked about AI. Um, in RSA, AI was a very, very big word. This year again? Like every year. Every year, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. And uh, I won't name companies, mm-hmm. but I did go to several stands. And, you know, I, I had a press pass this year, which was great. No one wanted to talk to me. Like, you want to go to RSA and not be bothered and just walk the floor? That's awesome. Get a press pass. All right. That's, that's Next time we go, this. we'll go together. Perfect. You'll be on my team. That'll work. Press pass it. <laughs> I love it. Let me tell you, I've never been ignored so much before in my life walking RSA. <laughs> never. No one wanted to scan my badge. People oh. are looking at me. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, I have a podcast. Think about how much email you just prevented from hitting your inbox. Oh, but I still opened the fake email address because I was getting all the PR companies. Oh, okay. Right? They were like, hey, company so-and-so is going to be revealing so-and-so. Mm-hmm. that So-and-so is going to be available. You definitely want to talk to so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, negative. All those emails go to Micah. <laughs> <laughs> and Micah goes, we'll talk to so-and-so if you pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Me, I just hit delete. <laughs> well, Mike. Well, no, I get that. Yeah. Mike has got to get paid. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was, it was, it was great. And so one of them was like explaining to me what they do, and he goes, and he's describing AI. And I'm like, this sounds like machine learning. And he goes, no, it's AI. And I'm like, you're learning as you go along. That is the definition <laughs> of machine. Learning. That is what it means. Google it. Learning as it goes (laughs) along, adapting at the pace. That is a machine learning how things work and then adapting. Yep. And what did he say? And he went, well, we're calling it AI. (laughs) We're calling it AI. That's great. That was his answer. And I I was how long have you been working here for this specific company? And he goes, seven months. I go. You should have asked him how he protects against data poisoning. You know, I, a few years ago, I went with a really funny shirt that said, not a decision maker. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Right? Yep, yep. Um, a few years before that, we went with intern shirts. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So all we did was collect swag. And didn't get bothered. Didn't get bothered. For one of the future events, we, we, what we really want to do is create a fake company and go like as a full executive team. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Right? But, like, create a full website, business cards, the whole nine. Like, have a CEO, CFO, and just go to vendor meetings and just see how they, do, how they deal with the whole swaying of people around. I think that'd be really fun. That would be interesting. So, for, my first thought was, wow, that might, that might actually be a little evil. On the other hand, that's, um, that actually would be interesting because if you actually did catalog and, 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 and really notated – all those interactions and how that all worked. I think that would be pretty revealing. One of the things I'm cataloging now is um, product performance based on environments. I'm actually okay. cataloging it right now. So one of my toughest one of my toughest things to do as a as a CISO is how do I know what to buy that's going to work for my environment? Yeah. And a lot of times you're reaching out to peers. We're calling each oh, other absolutely. and we're going, well. One of my biggest questions is, so what environment are you guys running? And how are you guys running it? Yeah. And scalability. Because what you may not, what you're getting maybe to to address one point, I may need to scale. And this product may not work well on scalability. Sure. And so I'm investing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on buying something that I'm not be able to scale. 
And a lot of times that's that not a lot of times, every time that's a challenge. So I'm really trying to find a way using this podcast, this platform to identify so that any CISO can go in and go, I have this kind of setting. What are some of my best options in terms of speaking to in terms of scalability for what I'm trying to do? And really defining yeah. it, I'm not, you can never get it a hundred percent right. No, but but if you can create a list of five instead of twenty, if you can get a list of three oh, instead of ten, there's there's value to be had with that. Oh, I completely agree, and and, and there is no doubt, and I and we say this all the time, right? I mean, the best source of information at the end of the day is each other, right? Right. So if you recommend something, if you say, hey, hey, David, I'm using this product and, you know, it's it's great. It's met all our needs. You know, the company's great to partner with. The support's really good. That, to me, that's gold. Right. I will take that over almost any other the, form of recommendation right. any day of the week. So to your point, if you can now start putting a finer point on that and, and putting some more parameters around that and making it more... You know, specific and, and you're getting again to more than that granular level of applicability. That's a that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So I'll ask you one final question. Sure. Do you buy from a vendor that puts logos of the companies they serve on their website? That's a yes or no. <laughs> uh, yes. If I have to answer yes or no, that's a yes. But I always question that. <laughs> yeah. But only I, because you see the same companies with absolutely every third party you talk to and you start going, they can't, how could they possibly run all of that software? That's called <laughs> stupid money. Y- yeah, I guess. That's called just dumb money. Yeah. David, thank you for, first of all, coming on the show. Second of all, I changed location on you last minute. So <laughs> I'm grateful that I brought you at the end of the Shark Tank. Grateful. Oh, no. Thank you, man. I enjoyed um, it. I, this was a great time. It was a blast. Yes. Uh, a special uh, shout out to uh, Stephanie Deppa, who helped bring us all together. Absolutely. Breakaway. Um, Stephanie um, was, was, was instrumental in helping <laughs> us get this together. For and sure. If, if I didn't thank her, I'd be remiss of the people who help us make this podcast and this content amazing with yeah. people like yourself. Oh, absolutely. And so I want to say thank you. Um, thank you to Stephanie. Thank you um, for everyone who was listening and tuning in. David Levin, he's the uh, CSO at Rico, and um, that's it for us on this beautiful Saturday. We're not recording on a Saturday, obviously. Shabbos, I can't do that. (laughs) Um, But um, we will air this on a Saturday, so enjoy the rest of your weekend, folks, if you're listening. And until next time, we'll be back with so much more. And now we're going to be corona-free. Absolutely. Here we go. So we're corona-free, and I'm going to ask you all to please stay cyber safe. Awesome, man. That was a blast. Good deal.